0: My name is Lindsay. Today's first reading is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter two, beginning at verse one. Listen for the word of God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all those who, sp- <clears throat> are, not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in our own native language? language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our second reading is from Paul's letter to Titus, chapter three, beginning at verse four. This spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is sure, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. I desire that you insist on these things, so that those who have come to believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable to everyone. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
1: Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come to us, come among us, come as the wind and cleanse, come as the fire and burn. Come as the dew and refresh, convict, convert, and consecrate many hearts and lives to art great good in your greater glory. Amen. The great preacher and teacher, Will Williman. I think I have a picture of him up there if we put it up there. Will Williman, are you there? There you are. Hey, Will. Anyway. The great preacher and teacher, Will Willimon, tells a story of moving into a new neighborhood and his neighbor coming to introduce herself to him. Upon finding out that he was a preacher, she promptly introduced herself as a charismatic Christian. She attended a Pentecostal church with a lot of explosive energy, the kind where everyone raises their hands. She said to him that she had recently had an incredible ecstatic experience of God's presence. She said that she had, quote, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and was assured of her salvation. When his re- neighbor revealed that she had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Willemann responded by saying, that makes two of us. The neighbor seemed skeptical Willemann belonged to a mainline liberal church where holding up hands in worship was deemed impolite and high-octane emotions were reserved for watching sports on TV. Anything but charismatic and where talk of a baptism of the Holy Spirit might kindle a decline in attendance. After a few more conversations, she had become downright suspicious of his claim that he too had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as she had. One day he was leaving the house and she was in the front yard trimming her hedge with the clippers and she just leaned over and said, I'm praying for you. And then she leaned over the hedge, pointed her clippers at him in a kind of menacing way. Willimon thanked her and asked her if she was praying for something specific for him. She said that she was. I'm praying that you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, she said. And he thanked her again, but he said, No need to bother God with that request, since the Lord has graciously given me the Spirit already. Really? she asked, (laughs) doubtfully. When? Where did it happen? Tell me. I can tell you that, he responded. I was a few months old at the time. A preacher named Forrester took me up in his arms, poured water on my head three times, and told me that I have the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The neighbor scoffed. That is not baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, Willimon continued, the preacher said, I got it. And if that didn't take, when I was about 10 years old, another preacher named Herbert put his hand on my head and said, you got the Spirit, now go out and use it. And if that weren't enough, one night in my mid-20s when I was ordained, a bishop named Tullus put his hands on my head and said, you got the Spirit, now go preach the gospel. The worst thing you could say, Willimon said, is that I don't use the Spirit's gifts or I don't live by the Spirit. But you sure can't deny that I've got it. Of course, his neighbor was baffled, as usual, so she just went back to furiously trimming her hedge, muttering under her breath something like, Dear Lord. Today is the final day, the final sermon in our series, Living Underwater Baptism as a Way of Life. And last week we talked about baptism as bodying, as our official entry into the church. The body of Christ. And this week's theme is gifting, specifically the gifting of the Holy Spirit, the creative life giving power of God. In our particular branch of the Christian tradition that believes that baptism is a unique coming of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in the Gospels, we're told that the Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove in his baptism. Our reading from the letter to Titus says that, this, that salvation comes unmerited according to God's mercy through the waters of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Last week, Ingrid and I laid hands on Ada and Henry Crow and prayed for them to be gifted with the Holy Spirit. And we laid hands and prayed on their mom, Catherine, and Stan and Alice Strilchuk, and Joyce Dixon when they renewed their baptismal vows, and we prayed that the same spirit that they were gifted with in their baptisms would refresh them and continue to be at work in them. So to paraphrase our friend Will, in baptism, we got it. The worst thing that you could say is that we don't use the Spirit's gifts or we don't live by the Spirit, but you sure can't deny that we've got it. Some preacher named Ingrid, some preacher named Ryan, laid their hands on and said so. Now, how does that work exactly? Because clearly not every baptism reflects the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, as it's told in the Acts of the Apostles. As we're told in our reading, the spirit touches down like a hurricane of wind landing on each of the apostles' heads like tongues of flame. They're shoved out into the street and instantly able to speak the languages of every passerby. It's like, boom, instant Spanish. Boom, Mandarin. Whoa, Spohili, Whoa. Some onlookers are genuinely interested, while others, as we heard, think that these guys must be drunk. The Apostle Peter stands up, though, and he assures them that they aren't drunk. It's too early for new wine like that, anyway. But that's what's happening. But what's happening here at Pentecost is described in the Old Testament by the prophet Joel, that God's Spirit would one day be poured out on all flesh, men, women, young and old, from all four corners of the earth all would see visions dream dreams and prophesy signs in the heavens this is that day the day of pentecost this is the is that final age of god's salvation the spirit is on the loose and it is hitting like a bomb i don't know about you but last week i didn't feel any gust of wind during the service I didn't feel the singe of fire, you know, quick, get the fire extinguisher, Clinton. As far as I know, neither Ada nor Henry came away speaking Mohawk or Arabic. And Alice and Stan didn't appear drunk at all. I mean, they seemed like they were having a great time, but they did not appear drunk at all. There were no portents in the sky, there was no ecstatic speech. It was kind of a letdown, you know, if you ask me. And I'm kidding, of course, but only partially kidding. Because I think that when we hear Holy Spirit, we think high-octane, life-changing, ecstatic experiences, which there are out in the world. There are no doubt about it. As the old African-American spiritual says, there are strange things happening every day. But as we've said before, baptism itself isn't a magic charm, it doesn't fix us or make God work in us. It's not our monopoly on God's favor, God's work in the world, the spirit blows where it will. But it's also not just an empty ritual or a symbol. No, we believe that baptism is a sign a seal that carries God's promises to us. Which is to say that baptism is a means of grace. In the same way we hear God's promises in Scripture, in the same way we taste God's promises at the table in Holy Communion, God's promises are poured out on us in water and gifted to us. Baptism is a concrete event in space and time that we return to over and over and over again, one God uses to build faith in us, one that helps us to believe in God's promises. And one of the promises that we're given in baptism is that simply that we are not alone, that we are not alone. We are not loved on account of our own merit. We don't live life by pulling up our own bootstraps. We do not live by our own strength, nor do we face the world or its troubles on our own. The promise is that God is with us. That God is with us and God is for us. And not only that, that God is with us and God is for us, but that God is at work in us. And through us and among us in the church, bringing strength, courage, peace, and consolation by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which I think I have a picture of, I mean, you probably know what he looks like, the great African American civil rights leader and activist tells the story of an hour of deep despair in the early years of his leadership in helping to desegregate the American South. He was receiving constant calls threatening to bomb his home and to take his life. You know, he feared for his wife and his new baby, daughter, and wondered if the struggle would be worth it if it meant these people who he loved would suffer or be killed on account of it, or that he himself would be killed on account of it. The thought of what might happen to him and his family kept him awake on many nights. So one night when he was wandering the house, unable to sleep, he went down to the kitchen and made himself a cup of coffee. Sipping it at the kitchen table, he poured out his fears, doubts, and despairs to God. Like in our text, he called upon the name of the Lord. And at that moment, he said, at that moment, coffee cup in hand. At that moment, he said, I experienced the presence of the divine As I had never before experienced him. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, Stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth, and God will be at your side forever. And he was able to do just that, in spite of his own fears and doubts all the way up until the day that he was gunned down, marching with striking garbage workers. Now, clearly, this was the Holy Spirit at work in Dr. King. This is the power that gave him the strength and courage in spite of his fears. But this experience of the Holy Spirit was just a confirmation of the promise given to him in his baptism at Ebenezer Baptist Church when hands were laid on him as a teenager. Now, of course, you might not be needing the courage to face down fire hoses, guard dogs, or threats of assassination by the Ku Klux Klan. I don't exactly know what everyone is up to in this congregation and your struggles and fears and the struggles and fears of the church your anxieties may pale in comparison to dr king's but the promise is that the holy spirit is as much for you in yours as it was for him in his The same spirit that was poured out on Martin Luther King, dear brothers and sisters, is the same spirit poured out on all flesh, on you. Because God is with us, we can trust that we will find comfort in our afflictions and consolation for our broken hearts, especially when a beloved minister is leaving us. Because God is with us, we can be confident in wisdom in times of worry and courage when our backs are up against the wall. Because God is with us, we will find strength in our weakness and we can take heart that there will be justice for the oppressed, even if it doesn't look like that today. And because God is with us, we can trust that the right words will be spoken at the right time and in the right place. Because the same spark that kindled the Big Bang is right here and has taken up residence right here in you and in me. That is one of the promises made in baptism. So every time you wash your face, hopefully you're starting to do this now. It's been six weeks. I've been saying this for six weeks. Hopefully you're washing your face. Every time you chase your kids with the hose, I knew somebody would like that. Kids really deserve it sometimes, don't they? Every time you rinse your dentures and put it in that little jar, plunk, plunk, Or hear that splash every Sunday in the assurance of grace. Remember that you are not alone because God is with us. God is with you and for you, at work in you, and through you. And though you may not always use the gifts of the Spirit or live in the Spirit in baptism, There's no denying that you've got it. So we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, may we be open to your fire and your grace. Amen. site the word.